Welcome to the Love Nashville podcast, an inspiring, fresh, new outlook on what it means to be a community in Nashville 2021. With help from Nashville's most successful, vibrant female business owners, you'll gain practical advice and insight into what small business really looks like and what you can do to support us in celebrating our beautiful, thriving community in Nashville, Tennessee. So grab a cup of coffee or a glass of wine and let's chat a while. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Love Nashville podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Garrett, and today we're talking with my sweet friend, Maddie Jackson-Selectman, daughter of the legendary country star, Alan Jackson, and seasoned entrepreneur in Nashville, having previously owned one of my absolute favorite restaurants in town, Salt and Vine, and now co-owner of the brand movement, Nashville, celebrating fierce, grace-filled women of Nashville. This girl has a story unlike any other, and I'm so honored to have her on the podcast. We've got a lot to unpack, so without further ado, Maddie Jackson-Selectman. Hi, Maddie. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. So you obviously had a little bit of a different experience growing up in Nashville with a famous musician father. The legendary- I mean, it was normal to me, but yeah, I think probably a little different. <laughs> the legendary Alan Jackson for anybody who's lost. Um, describe what it was like, what Nashville was like. What was it like growing up in Nashville? Yeah, I mean, it's funny to, to sort of answer that question because I feel like the answer people want to hear in the real one are probably not the same (laughs) like to an extent I mean I you know we grew up in Franklin the extent of you know my exposure to downtown and music and stuff like that I mean it was award shows it was the CMAs Mm -hmm. it was video shoots so in a way it was incredibly uniquely and kind of uh, I don't know perfectly Nashville like because it was Mm -hmm. just that was a part of our day-to-day life but on the other hand, you know, that was only a fraction of the time that we spent. And like everybody else, the majority of that time was spent at home and at school and playing sports and going to the mall and doing all the boring things. But, you know, in terms of the fact that, you know, dad got his record deal within a year of my being born. I mean, I just, I don't, I don't know anything different. So it was just, I think it was cool in a way because it made me feel like, the music industry was Nashville. Like, I just didn't know anything else. Like, I didn't know about hospitality or business or all these other things. Like, from my, I guess, child's perspective, it was like, if you want country music, it's Nashville. Like, that's Mm -hmm. it. So, in that regard, it was pretty cool in retrospect. In the time, you know, you just know what you know, and dad went to work, and his work happened to be singing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you don't have, you have music talent, right? Um, I think it would be a stretch. I mean, (laughs) certainly I won't be getting any record deals, but like, I don't get beer bottles thrown at me when I sing karaoke in public. So it's, yeah, it could be worse. Yeah, it could be worse. I can fumble my way around on a guitar, but you know, could never write a melody or anything. (laughs) (laughs) Same. Okay. So Nashville has changed tremendously in the year of 2020 when this podcast comes out. It's 2021. Hallelujah. Yeah. We've been through the ringer this year. I feel like the word community has taken on a whole new meaning. Um, Talk a little bit about what community in Nashville has looked like over the years. You've been in Nashville, you grew up here. It's changed a lot. 
over the over the years. Yeah, yeah, tremendously. I mean, I will say this. I think I will apologize for a lot of the locals who complain about all of the traffic <laughs> and all of the changing and like it, it there is some traffic, but we're not New York City. So right. let me just apologize for all Nashvilleians on that. Like we're really okay. But I will say one thing that I think has been really cool and that I'm very proud of for our city having grown up here is that exactly what you said is community has always seemed to be a part of it mm-hmm. you know and maybe that's a southern thing and maybe it's a national thing and maybe it just happens to be the small part of the city that i grew up in but i feel like as a kid you know having seen how the country music community seemingly kind of has each other's back and seems mm-hmm. to be a little more supportive of one another and collaborative than even some other genres of music or other types of entertainment and again, that can be biased, but I think that's true mm-hmm. and experienced it on that level. And then just the community of people in the Franklin area that, you know, family, friends and family, friends, there's everybody's always there to help out. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like what makes me proud of the city is that now, you know, as a 30 year old woman who's run a couple of businesses here to see that not have been lost even with the expansion even with all these different types of people um, with different plans and different goals and different beliefs and different Mm -hmm. backgrounds coming in each pocket of the nashville landscape seems to somehow maintain this sense of support and community Mm -hmm. and not to say that there's not competition because there is and that's a good thing but i just i don't i don't know even from a from a physical standpoint I remember because I grew up here went to school at University of Tennessee and then I lived in Austin Texas for a few years after college like literally no reason I had no job and just wanted to live somewhere else so hi I got a job bartending (laughs) for no reason but even even before I moved back here in 2014 I remember coming back and like seeing it, it was drastic to me having been gone away for a couple years and coming back and seeing all the cranes starting Mm -hmm. to go up and like seeing public conversations being had about Nashville. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't get it. Like, what are they coming here for? And I remember coming home and saying to some friends, you know, I mean this on a micro scale, but if Nashville keeps growing, it's going to have its own little kind of self-sustainable boroughs, almost Mm -hmm. like New York. And I get we're nothing like New York and it's not like the five boroughs of New York, but you know what I'm saying? You can live in, you know, 12 South and have everything you need. And you kind of, you've all, we've all seen the shirts about like the different (laughs) personalities of the different neighborhoods. And I don't know, I'm just rambling now, but I think it's cool that there we have created or seen different areas of town sort of cultivate their own unique identity. However, it doesn't feel exclusive. Like each community is welcome to whoever wants to come and eat and hang and drink and listen to music or whatever there. And I think that's cool. So you went to UT. Yes. And you're a sommelier. Am I saying that properly? Yes, I am. Technically retired now, I suppose. But I mean, you don't have to like retake the test. So I guess I have it forever. Yeah. So, okay. So that brought you to start your first business, right? Yeah. Salt and Vine. Yeah, Salt and Vine. So I, during my time in Texas, like I said, just for cash, started working in a steakhouse Mm -hmm. and bartending and just given the environment of steakhouse, had a lot of wine training and stuff like that. And I don't know why... But I just, I had this huge passion for it. I mean, my parents never really drank or kept wine when we were younger. I just don't Mm -hmm. think it was something 
they were ever really exposed to because they you know, grew up in South Georgia, yeah. a very traditional Southern low-income family. Like, there's mm-hmm. not wine on the table all the time. But found this passion for it anyway, fell in love with it, started offering to do inventory um, for our sommelier at the restaurant at the time just to learn from him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then basically just went down the rabbit hole. And for the next two or three years took increasingly more difficult levels of like wine certification Mm -hmm. tests partly because I'm a crazy Enneagram three and I love tests (laughs) um but partly just because I wanted to learn and like that was the way to hold myself accountable to learning more and yeah therefore the better part of six years from about 22 to 28 I worked in every facet of the wine industry you can imagine I just wanted to know how it all worked and did restaurant did retail did sales for an Italian importer and interned with a winery during harvest like did nasty manual labor like it's not glamorous it's actually really gross (laughs) but fantastic um yeah and then came back to Nashville you know even being away I always knew it was going to be home it was Mm -hmm. never a place that I didn't see myself coming back to and Mm -hmm. so when I saw the cranes start going up and heard the buzz nationally I was like well this is the time and like Nashville hadn't really traditionally had much of a wine scene and I mean we do now thankfully just because Mm -hmm. the culinary has increased so much but the end of the day it's like still going to be a beer and bourbon town and Mm -hmm. I saw an opportunity which is great I mean fan of both of those as well but I saw an opportunity that I hadn't seen that niche filled which was high quality wine with very educated staff, but also a place that would be void of all the wine snobbery that I think turns Mm -hmm. people off, especially younger consumers. Definitely. Because in the last probably five to 10 years, the group whose wine purchases and consumption has increased the most has been millennials. And so it just, Mm. it opened up a door to be like, Hey, we don't have to spend 50 bucks on a bottle and we can actually talk about it. Like we're talking about, you know, sports or a TV show or fashion or something like it doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be foreign. It can really be fun. And so that was, that was salt and bind for me. And to circle back to community, that was really my goal with it. Mm -hmm. I mean, to have people from around, it was in Sylvan park come in in a suit for a business meeting or come in in workout clothes from running around McCabe and it's all good, you know? Yeah. So it was a really fun adventure and in the way that Nashville seems to work and in the way that God weaves our different parts of our lives together, a lot of the people and connections I made through the hospitality industry and the business community here have been essential to what we've done with Nashville, which virtually mm-hmm. has nothing to do with wine or food or hospitality. <laughs> so it's just, I, I hope other places sort of have that support system and you can build foundations like that. But Nashville definitely has it. Yeah. Salt and Vine was one of my favorite places. I, when I first moved to Nashville in 2017. Oh, see, that always makes me so happy. I went happy. there several times. Different girlfriends were like, let's meet at Salt and Vine. Let's go to Salt and Vine. And it was fantastic. Hopefully chill community vibe. Great food. I had these little mini burgers. One oh, oh, sliders are, I mean, really RIP the sliders. They are so good. Unforgettable. Okay, so it was Salt and Vine. Now you have Nashville. Nashville, yep. Tell us how that came about. So that I can take very little, if any, credit for. Um, in 2018, when I had Salt and Vine for coming on two years, I think because there was such a surge of especially dining um, Mm -hmm. coming into Nashville, it was 
it still is to some extent, but I mean, it was a pretty saturated market and just without getting all into it. I mean, it was a really big space. Like mm-hmm. it was a beautiful, I mean, you saw like open yeah. tall ceilings, oh, yeah. very like clean white Nordic sort of vibe. Mm-hmm. And, um, but just financially ended up not being sustainable without another huge amount of money being put into it. Mm-hmm. And at this point I had gotten married the year before and, mm-hmm. you know, when I started it was 25 and single and like had no problem working 17 hours a day because what else am I going to do? Mm-hmm. And I think with that major life shift, you know, I started to really look at, you know, in 10, 15 years from now, if I have kids or, mm-hmm. you know, I have something going on with family, do I want to have to come in here at 11 o'clock when an emergency happens? And I think it just had to weigh, like, do I want to sacrifice financially and continue to try to pour more into this? Or do I want to be grateful for the foundation we've built mm-hmm. and what we have accomplished in the community we've created and the fun that I've had because it was so much fun? and move into whatever the Lord has for me next. And I think at that point, it was a really scary choice because I think I knew it needed, that chapter needed to be done, mm-hmm. but I had no idea. It was like a complete blank <laughs> canvas moving yeah. forward. And I do love writing. I've always mm-hmm. loved writing and communicating and people and conversations and stories and studied creative writing in college. And like always was like, I want that's what I want to do. Like I want to encourage people and help people really felt like that was where I was supposed to end up in my next chapter. But again, like had no steps in front of me, Mm -hmm. no bridge to cross over this huge gaping abyss of uncertainty, Mm. but knew that was right. So we closed the doors in June and I think had sort of just a, a very loose plan to try to do some freelance stuff Mm -hmm. for like, you know, on food and, and wine in the city just to kind of build back muscles. And Mm -hmm. almost exactly three weeks after I closed, I got a call from Brooke Tomatich, who's my co-founder in Nashville. And we knew each other, but not well. Like we both had the same close mutual friend and she called and she said, Hey, this is Brooke. Like I know this is random, but I have this, idea for this brand that's going to be all about Nashville and all about women and more than anything I just I want to create community and encourage women through hardship and I want to give back to women and children and I need somebody to write a blog for me apparently and this whole thing (laughs) and so we went to Frothy Monkey on 12 South and got coffee and she just like spilled her whole dream and heart and the idea for the brand and she was like I can do the fashion I can do the marketing I can do all of this but I I we need more content for our people like I don't just want to be t-shirts like I want to be a brand that feeds people who support us Mm -hmm. and I want to have a blog and so I was just sort of like in a whirlwind like I, I have I know nothing about any of this but it does seem like it seems like it could be a step toward where I'm wanting to go. So long story, well, still long, was just like, let me pray about it, whatever. Went Mm -hmm. home, prayed about it, talked to my husband about it. And it was just like blatantly clear to me several days later, that's what I was supposed to do. So I called her and I said, look, I don't know why, but I know this is where I'm supposed to be. And I'll write the blog and I want to do a podcast because I want to nourish these women too. And I'll help you found the company. Like, I think this is really where I'm supposed to be. So we started building and that was July of... 2018 so almost two and a half years ago since we started and a a little over two years since we launched so elevator pitch is 
gives back apparel brand celebrating sisterhood and we give back to orphans, widows, and trafficked women through the sale of our products. Amazing. So what's new with Nashville? What's coming up? Shoot, I wish I knew. (laughs) I mean, that's, it's been a hard year for everyone. And I think what unexpectedly happened with Nashville in our first year and a half is that that desire for community just kept coming back and coming mm-hmm. back and we are able to fund our nonprofit partners by the sale of our products hats t-shirts sweatshirts mm-hmm. accessories merch so that's the business plan we actually are an llc we're just a social justice llc mm-hmm. but as part of trying to create real community we started doing small events and get togethers around town and you know product drives where we would pick a certain nonprofit and and women would bring whatever product they needed and then they'd get to network and meet mm-hmm. one another that really started to be in the regular sort of cycle of what we did and it helped grow the brand awareness and thus mm-hmm. increase sales and it started to be a really cool sort of event community centric thing and then obviously enter covid and we just haven't we have not tried to re-enter that this year we had big plans for a fundraiser with our Mm -hmm. anti-trafficking partner for this fall in slavery tennessee and we just i mean no one knew how it was going to turn out and you can't we weren't going to cast bets on a several hundred person event so Mm -hmm. um we have kept everything online we're very grateful that most of our work is e-commerce and we can do everything else virtual Mm -hmm. and it certainly stalled a lot of what we want to do but i think we're incredibly blessed to not have tons of overhead as a business besides our inventory Mm -hmm. and you know so we've sort of just dropped down into first or second year and Mm -hmm. like everyone is in a place where we've got to actually pivot and start growing and moving forward in a different way in 2021 because as much as I wish so deeply it would be over I don't think it will be soon no well do the best you can right yeah 2020 absolutely so we'll we'll continue to do what we're doing which is try to put out encouraging content for people um to connect them with new women in this city and in other cities and and women who are authors and teachers and all the people we like to have on mm-hmm. and continue to put out our product so that we can have income to give back and I don't think it'll be as much new product as we would mm-hmm. like but we're definitely still moving forward well I love your podcast and it's she's <laughs> in the city she's in the city Check yeah it out, guys it's it's fun um as you know it's it's challenging but also exciting to try to find new women with new mm-hmm. stories to put on and it is one of my absolute favorite things that we do it's certainly not <laughs> high on the list of what is lucrative for the company but it's really fun it's and good for the soul it's good for the soul and i think there's always cool resources that i find that can make all the difference especially in a year like this mm-hmm. it's good for my soul i know that much Okay, I want to change gears a little bit, talk about the hard stuff. Mm-hmm. The last few years, I guess it's been a few years, getting two. married, yep. two, getting married, closing a business, starting another business, losing your husband, and now a pandemic. Yeah, it's been a breeze, you know, just like <laughs> everything's good. Um, no, it's really when you condense it like that, I'm like, wow, 
<laughs> You've been through a lot. Yeah, that's, that's a ringer. But um, no, so yeah, Ben and I were married three years ago um, in 2017. And fast forward to June of 18 when we closed Salt and Vine, which, as I said, I felt peace about that choice and in retrospect particularly know that it was the right choice but that was really the first experience with you know professional what felt like failure and Mm -hmm. professional grief which you know it was the first thing I had built it was the first thing I had my name on Mm -hmm. and it felt like you know a child to me kind of and and the staff that we built there, many of them were there the entire time, which is incredibly unusual in the hospitality industry mm-hmm. where turnover is high. And so we really were kind of like a family and that was hard. And I felt like I was letting down a lot of those people who depended on that environment and that job and that space. And it was hard, but also I think as you know, I sort of talked about earlier, it's like, I, if I don't feel at peace in my spirit about something, then I don't do it. And I Mm -hmm. think part of what this ringer of several years has taught me is that that peace is, has nothing to do with circumstances. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's what losing a job, losing a loved one, losing a plan for your life that you thought you had, that's what it teaches you is that, yeah, I, sh- I shouldn't have been joyful in any of those circumstances because the circumstances sucked, to yeah. be honest. But there has been a deep sense of contentment that I think I, I didn't know that I needed before. And it comes in no way by me being strong or self-sufficient. It comes completely because... And experiencing what felt like a failure to someone who really sees the value of myself in how I achieve or how I don't. Mm -hmm. I'm working through that. I know it's not true. We're in therapy. But wired to feel that way, Mm -hmm. going from, you know, a failed business venture to the loss of a marriage that was only a year old to suddenly learning an entire new industry with merchandise and and Mm -hmm. even the podcast stuff. I mean, there's a lot of self-doubt that comes into that. And a lot of fake it till you make it, but you know when you're faking it, you know? And so, yeah, it, it, it has been difficult. It's been a lot of change. And I don't think five years ago I was a person who probably handled change very well and now I realize Hmm. I mean it's the only constant right it's true that's what we've seen this year and I think a lot of what Nashville too has helped restore in me is that our success is important but it always has to be measured against relationship and relationship at the end of the day is what's going to matter and I just think Mm -hmm. about the people and the organizations and the women who help run these nonprofits day in day out that serve the real women walking the real streets or handling Mm -hmm. real problems and real losses in Nashville that what little Nashville can support Mm -hmm. them with makes a difference in individual humans lives and I think of three women who we've sat with and held their hand who've been trafficking survivors and I Mm -hmm. think of hundreds of women who have either reached out to me to have coffee with a young woman who's been widowed or just reach out for us to pray for them Mm -hmm. and like that 
that's powerful. And like, I think about a woman who we were able to write a check so she could finalize an adoption. I mean, and they're not, I don't want to say they're not big things, but I was used to measuring success and value and contentment on how many sales did we have? How many people were in the seats? Like how mm-hmm. much press is happening? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you know, we're a new business and we're doing okay. But the success isn't about what comes in and what sells. That mm-hmm. funds all the good things we want to do. So right. it's certainly important and vital. But, you know, it, it, I look back over the stuff and I wish our bank account was bigger and I wish mm-hmm. we could be in Nordstrom and sell millions of dollars worth of graphic tees, you know, and maybe one day we will, but I just have had to sit back, especially in this year with the pandemic and think about those individual people and be like, you know what? We're still staying the course. Like we've got to pivot and we've got to be smart and make choices that, that promote growth. But I see those people's faces and I know it's, I know it's a value and I know it's success. So, and even with Ben, you know, even after he passed away two years ago, you know, we already, we were in the midst of launching Nashville. So Mm -hmm. in a way it's blatantly clear that the Lord put me in the position to found a company who serves widows and is one of their three missions before I would have ever imagined that that would be me and I would be that voice. And though I would never choose it again, it was as if I were gifted a purpose for the pain before the pain ever happened. Mm. And that's, that's the sort of stuff that you just have to be willing to step out and take chances when they do feel right, when they do feel sure in your gut or in your spirit and kind of just roll with it because you never know the power that something that seems unusual Mm -hmm. how God can wield that power when something down the line you can't see yet is coming and it's just it has left me a lot more open-handed with my plans and subsequently I think really more content no matter what the circumstance and content doesn't mean happy I'm not happy about most of what has happened but you can be joyful and you can be content and it can nothing that we experience in terms of failure or setback Mm -hmm. or loss will be wasted when we surrender it to the Lord and we really anticipate that Mm -hmm. hey there can be real power and good from this absolutely yeah one thing I've learned this year is that joy is not dependent on your circumstances no you can't let it be no and what's what's interesting too about even just Nashville and surfing serving orphans widows and trafficked women man you connect with people through pain like I wish that yeah. wasn't true but, but even so when is. we sat down to pick the missions it's like a you know now we see all three of these missions are woven into Brooke and I's personal story she's mm-hmm. an adoptive mom so that was sort of the, the catalyst for everything and then we just we just followed what scripture said, which is take care of these three groups over and over. And then here I am having lost Ben. And the reason we included trafficking women was because he worked with them in Nashville. Mm -hmm. And so just this whole full circle, crazy, true, amazing story 
But when you look at those groups and the people we serve, the, the, the women who reach out to us and message us and we email with and we see or used to see at these events mm-hmm. and pray with, they've they've walked through something hard and that's why they're there. And that's that's where you begin to really connect and where the tissues of our lives come together is like, mm-hmm. unfortunately, not at the celebrations, but at the hardships. That's good. So to wrap it up, what if you could give advice to girls who are listening to this podcast and coming off a crazy year, crazy crappy year, what do we look forward to in 2021? <laughs> you know, how do we move past this? Well, uh, from a very surface level, I can't imagine it getting much worse. So like there's <laughs> a positive, you know, like even the status quo won't, won't be worse. Right. But no, I think, I think what you said at the beginning is it, it's the heartbeat of this whole conversation, this community. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people too, especially younger women, if you know, you're new to town or you have to work remote or you live alone, you know, or your family's not here, it's like physical community is really, really hard. Mm-hmm. And so even if you don't have access to that, it's finding whatever means of connection and support that you can to not be alone because mm-hmm. being alone in anything is always when that contentment's going to be snatched away. Like we need people to, Mm -hmm. as it says, you know, in Exodus, like hold up our arms because sometimes we can't hold our arms up long enough. We got to have two people holding our arms up for us and reminding us that God's mercies are new every morning. And so that would be, I would say a, you know, community B gratitude. You hear that all the time, but it's Mm -hmm. like biologically and physically true that it makes you happier. And it's just, it's true. God says it's true. So I would say community gratitude. And then, you know, if you are a person of faith, like cling to that more than anything, because Mm -hmm. there is nothing that powerful. And if you're not, I still say cling to it, give it a chance. It's true. And it's the only reason I am content and joy and joyful and hopeful after the last several years that I've been through. So it's real. You're amazing. Your story is amazing. Well, it's, like I said, always changing. So we'll see what's next. And I just, I appreciate you having me on here and supporting Nashville and championing it like you are, you know, and Mm -hmm. we need everybody to know how cool this city is and how good the people in it are. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if people want to find Nashville, how do they find you? So we are on Facebook and Instagram, primarily Instagram, both at Nashville. So Nashville, just with an E in the middle. Um, and she's in the city is our handle for all things, uh, podcast, blog, etc. Um, and then I am just personally MJ Selectman, um, Instagram and Facebook as well. Cool. All right. I'm going to do a little wrap. Nashville.com. Oh yeah. Duh. Website. Uh, it's archaic. Their website. stuff is so cute. Got yes. dolly stuff. All of, got our, hats, all of our t-shirts. apparel is on nashville.com and you can find all our other data on there and things you need to know and ways to give back to the nonprofits we support yes. too. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Rapid fire question time. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to ask you 10 random, some odd questions. Okay. I'll Don't do think, my best. Just answer. Okay. First one. Titans or Preds? Mm. Oh, gosh. Okay. Preds. Okay. I know this is supposed to be rapid fire, so I'm not going to give you my explanation. I, Preds. So hard I made a choice. Okay. Two, describe yourself in three words. Mm. Um, <laughs> I hate this is the worst question in the world. <laughs> this is why you got it. Okay. Um, ambitious. 
hopeful and very impatient. Same on the third one. Working on the third. (laughs) Work in progress. What is one item you could never live without? True, true answer is the Bible. So I have to say that. Right. Other would definitely be my um, puppy, Ryman. Aww. Yeah. So cute. She's my bestie. What color is your toothbrush? Uh, White and blue, I think. Okay. Favorite Alan Jackson song? So I have to say Wanted. Okay. I'm a big fan of all the old ballads. It's like 90, 91. Doesn't get any better. Somewhere in there. Yeah. It's awesome. Coffee, wine, or champagne? And I already know the answer, I think. All three. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It would be a hard, hard tie between coffee and champagne, which I would give up. Okay. Favorite place in Nashville? Can be anywhere. Restaurant, shop. I love Josephine's on 12 South. Oh, it's... It is so tried and true. It is fantastic food. I love it. Nice shout out there. Favorite type of food? I love shellfish. Any and all. All right. There's a Maine's Cousin Lobster truck that goes around. That. Unbelievable. roll. Oh, my gosh. Probably the best lobster roll. It's the only food truck I've ever, like, tracked and chased. Yeah. Well, you know, seafood and food truck. Kind of iffy, but they held it. No, they hit it on the park. They're great. What motivates you? I think knowing that what I do can encourage and empower other people to be better. That's good. Last one. What is your favorite memory in Nashville to date? I witnessed the Music City Miracle. I know I picked Preds, but when the Titans were new, we went all to all the games. Oh, cool. And was in, like, the front of, like, the top level or whatever. Uh-huh. And it, they ran it right down the sideline on the side we were at. Oh, my gosh. And we had never had football. Like, it was, like, the first or second year the Titans had been there. I was in, like, a middle school or something. That was so incredibly exciting. Oh my gosh. It was wild. I'm so jealous. Yeah. That was that was prime time for the Titans. Well, Maddie, thanks so much Thank for you. being here and sharing your story. I feel so much more motivated and inspired <laughs> and humbled by your story. Hey, well, we love Nashville and we love women who love Nashville and women who want to work together and make themselves and this community better. So True. it's a pleasure to be here. Y'all go out and support Nashville. Nashville.com. Come find us.